1: Hey, welcome to the 162nd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by Blake Robin and Amanda O'Connor. I'm Matt Amo, And I'm Warren Kaplan, and
0: today we have filmmaker Zara Hayes on the show. She is an accomplished documentary filmmaker. Out of the UK, she's had documentary work on netflix with bbc she's been doing it forever she did a documentary on people in bangladesh and rwanda and all over you think of a documentary that you would make <laughs> hard-hitting
1: documentary <laughs> and done it in a surprise twist she's uh directed the new comedy palms about uh, a bunch of women of a certain age who decide to band together and form a uh, cheerleading squad in their retirement home
0: yeah and it's palms p-o-m-s as in palms pom-poms <laughs> but it's um inspired by real events this is a real thing there are a lot of uh kind of um you know retiree cheerleading teams and Zara has uh, constructed a movie around this yeah like her cast is like insane and she tells us how she got them Diane Keaton, Rhea Perlman, Pam Greer it's so long it's incredible Zara also has an awesome DP for her movie Tim Orr shot it he shot Uh, Eastbound and Down, Sex Drive, Pineapple Express, Choke, Year of the Dog, Z for Zachariah. Oh my goodness. She's got a really awesome team behind this movie and she tells us all about it. But we really dive into everything, like how you get actors attached, how as a first time director, you,
1: you know, get respected by your cast and crew. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because we talk all the time about how your life experiences inform your craft and process as a filmmaker. And I think it's especially interesting when your background uh, is literally filmmaking, but in a slightly different way, in this case, documentary and how you apply it to A traditional narrative and it's you know it's similar in more ways than you'd realize and also unique in ways that um are hard to predict
0: well yeah so it's a it's a really fun talk and it's really cool check out palms movie hashtag palms movie was the recommended way to find out about it it's in theaters friday may 10th uh and it's an amazing movie for mother's day yeah go take your mom to see it it's funny and it's emotional and it's crazy and the ending will shock you Potentially. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, before we get into the episode, we want to talk about one quick thing, and that is our Patreon. If you check out patreon.com slash just shoot it pod, you can learn all about how you can support us. And we
1: have just started a new incentive to make supporting us even more rewarding. Yeah. So now at the $10 level, you get your very own Just Shoot It hat. It's that simple. We mail you a cool baseball cap you can wear on set. It says just shoot it a podcast which we think is pretty funny it's in like the nike logo font like just do it just shoot it you know it's a little little clever a little fun um but it it is a thing that we're super excited about we worked super hard on getting them out to people and so 10 bucks a month you can go ahead and get yourself a just shoot it if you wear it on set and point at it people will start shooting things i bet that these caps will make you come in an hour under budget all the time he'll just shoot so much faster people yeah. just don't realize oh we should be rolling the patreon
0: investment you'll more than make up for in time saved on set by mm-hmm. people feeling pressured to just shoot things yeah arts the actor's not here forget it who cares just shoot it action um well thanks a lot everyone check it out patreon.com slash just shoot a pod and uh, help us out if you can and one final thing, before
1: we get into talking to Zara, this is May. You guys know what that means. That's right. We've, we've been teasing it out. Uh, our friends have been teasing it out as well. We are in a competition to get the most iTunes reviews. It's the first to 25 is, is the first benchmark. Uh, but we are in a race between uh, Light the Fuse, Making Movies is Hard, and Respect the Process, all great podcasts. But we are in a competition to get 25 new iTunes reviews as fast as possible. So you've got to help us out. I know you've been thinking about giving us an iTunes review. Now is the time to help out because uh, if we lose this gentleman's bet, it will not only be humiliating, but also we'll have to read their ad copy on our show.
0: If I was a listener and I had like a friend that listened to the show, I would try to get 24 reviews for our podcast and another podcast and then at the exact same second i would leave the 25th review with my friend just a bonus
1: (laughs) um i do have multiple friends who like to be the person who puts the kickstarter over their goal oh yeah and i'm like dude that is so uncool (laughs) like just just go for it man just submit the money well i think we've given you enough
0: tasks leave us an itunes review go to our patreon get a hat wear a hat tell your friends about just shoot it (laughs) just kidding don't do any of that just drive around and listen to this podcast
1: and yeah think about doing one of these things later but you know you never will let zara's uh incredible insight and experience and um thoughtfulness just seep into your brain and make you a better filmmaker and here we go we're recording with zara hayes Hi. Zara, welcome. You've got a new film called Palms. Do you want to give us just a quick, you know, little summary of um of your film?
2: So, Palms is is a film about a woman played by Diane Keaton who at the beginning of the movie decides to move herself from the city into a retirement community in Georgia and ends up <laughs> setting up a cheerleading team for older women. <laughs> so she she goes in there with the intention of kind of leaving everything behind and giving up. And she ends up doing the biggest thing she's ever done in her life and the kind of craziest thing, aided by her next-door neighbor, played by Jackie Weaver, mm-hmm. who refuses to let her kind of retreat into her shell and kind of makes her take part in things at the community. And the two of them together end up setting up this the first sort of senior cheerleading team.
1: And this is based on a true story as well, right? So or this- no?
2: No, the story isn't true, but the idea, the fact that this happens is true. So oh, what happened what happened was I came across the fact that across America there are mm-hmm. a number of cheerleading
1: groups inspired by true events true events yeah inspired
2: by yeah totally and there are just a number of these teams and I kind of find it com- I find it completely fascinating mm-hmm.
1: yeah so and who else is in the film it's a ton of recognizable faces oh incidents.
2: god I mean, it's yeah we're so lucky we've got um, Diane Keaton Jackie sure. Weaver as the, the two leads and then we have um, Pam Greer mm-hmm. Rhea Palm, sure. yeah <laughs> Celia Weston Phyllis Somerville
1: And there's one other name I'm trying to remember. Alicia Beau, who plays the
2: young, there's a young storyline. Oh, great. And um, that's kind of uh, really led by Alicia Beau, who's kind of a wonderful up and coming actress. And um, Charlie Tehan, who you might know from Ozark.
1: That's so exciting. Uh, And I think also we were talking off the mic. You have a background in uh, documentary filmmaking. I do. So you kind of started in that world and then transitioned into narrative. Is this your first narrative? This is my
2: first narrative. Yeah, Yeah. this is it.
1: Have you done short narrative stuff before? No. Oh, really?
2: No. No, Uh, no, no. No, No, this is it. That's crazy.
0: And you, But you directed, I read, like the Battle of the Sexes, the documentary that the movie is based on. Mm -hmm. And so were you involved in the Emma Stone movie?
2: We weren't involved in it, basically. But the, um, so obviously that's the story. That's Billy Jean King's story, and um, Danny Boyle, another Brit, was came to our premiere in in London and kind of loved the film and was talking to Billy Jean King about about making a movie out of it, and and they sort of took it from there. Um, we we weren't involved in a kind of story consultant sort of way but it was yeah that was how it all came about I mean it's such a a story that lends itself to being told as a movie because three acts and it's a sports story and it's kind of got everything
0: wait can I jump straight into the juicy stuff uh were you like not annoyed that they used the exact same title that you used for your Uh, documentary
2: to be perfectly (laughs) to be perfectly honest yes we were but my my take on it you know ultimately it Billie Jean King was it's her life story right?
0: Mm-hmm,
2: right we did things like I spent two weeks at the um tennis museum in La Jolla going through archives <laughs> La, Jolla and, are La Jolla yeah <laughs> Okay. Oh, cool. going through I mean literally like two weeks in a dusty room going yeah. through all clippings of newspaper reports and That's very speaking, Kubrick. Of you. <laughs> and speaking to like Bobby Riggs who was obviously the, the the antagonist the guy um his son and his the guy had been his coach and really, like, mining them and researching mm-hmm. that in a way that had never been done before. So we did a lot of, like, original research, including, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uncovering film that had never been seen before of, like, a, a, the match that he had with Margaret Court and stuff. So, yeah, no, we were definitely... we uh, really diff- dug deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was deep diving <laughs> yeah. into that story.
0: Yeah, I wonder which one you should watch first.
2: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Because, like, mm. I feel like... A lot I'm of time times you want to see the ours. documentary <laughs> after, right? Because you're like, I wonder which parts of that were true. Sure, or not That's true. true. That's yeah.
2: interesting. That's interesting. Um, maybe, maybe that would be the better way to do it. And it's so hard for me to say, but I, I definitely feel like they leaned more into, as you would do, it creating a drama, like things that we that didn't exist on film, but about her relationship. Um, the fact that she was kind of at the time like having a relationship with a woman behind her husband's mm-hmm. back, and that became like the big, the big storyline. But for us, we kept we, we mentioned that, but we like absolutely, always knew that our focus was that she was going to be a sporting heroine. That mm-hmm. was the kind of like it was a sports movie, mm-hmm. right. um, and that's kind of the way we. And everything was about getting that trophy at the end.
0: Right. Well, it's funny because like as a documentary, you are like looking at kind of regular narrative movie tropes to like guide the totally. structure of your documentary. But as a regular movie, you're trying to not, you're trying to break <laughs> those tropes, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which is really interesting.
2: Well, I find that completely fascinating. And actually there's something with Palms that um, this, this crossover between what's true, what feels true, mm-hmm. what has a ring of emotional truth but actually isn't true and what is true but feels untrue fascinates me and there's a poms is not based on on a true story but there is one anecdote in there that comes from truth which is um when i went to meet some of these senior cheerleaders mm-hmm. and talk to them there was a woman who who i met who was on a team where a woman had been uh banned from joining the team by her husband and then the, and the husband said you'll join that team over my dead body sure. yeah. and that he then died <laughs> and um it, it was a running joke with, with them right. all that she was kick, poisoned yeah <laughs> that she bumped him off as we'd say in england and and i found that it's so ridiculously funny but also the interesting thing is it's they like made it into all the trailers for palms sure, and everything yeah. and it's become one of those kind of you know it's become the joke that everybody loves but a couple of people if have said to me that you know that feels a is that too far? Like, that feels a bit sure. unreal. And that's the one thing that's in the, the script thing. that's the truth. <laughs> and, and it's just so interesting to me that maybe yeah. it has sometimes, you know, things that, that actually did happen feel so incredible that they, they, can't, they can't feel real.
1: I'm curious, because you mentioned kind of uh, researching palms a little bit. Do you feel like your background as a documentarian informed the way that you approached yeah. research in general?
2: I I think so. I mean, it's so hard for me to imagine not approaching things through the lens of talking to people. Yeah, interesting. (laughs) Because that's just what I do and that's what I've done and that's how I learn everything and Mm -hmm. that's how I've operated and and I feel like every story that I'm, I mean, I've been interested in and writing and thinking about quote-unquote fictional stories um, for a long time, but it's like I can't, disassociate how you, um, the process from real life and how you like abstract from talking mm-hmm. to people and everyone I ever talk to or meet is, I find something in sure. th- th- that I kind of take, or that sounds kind of horrible, I don't mean it like that, but, <laughs> sure, but, you but internalize. I, I, yeah, I internalize, souls. I steal people's stories <laughs> and store them for the future. No, I just, I, I feel like if I ever want to know, I can't I personally, but I know this totally works for people um, because I know many writers who who completely work in a locked off kind mm-hmm. of box, and they it 's all through imagination, but for me, a conversation with a real human being who has some idiosyncratic life experiences <laughs> as we all do um it is just so inspiring and enlightening, and that 's kind of how i get you know mm-hmm. that's how I get excited
1: on a practical level, how do you approach it do you do you have like a um a scheduled like a, are you regimented in terms of like oh I'm working on this movie I'm gonna tour the countryside and go to all these different homes and things like that or no
2: no not at all no partly through practicalities but i you know my background I work my way up in sort of the um, the TV world really in in the UK and you can get you know I got paid to be a development researcher <laughs> it, it, to find stories and to um, pitch them to broadcasters and networks uh, for documentaries. So I guess that was my training ground in sort of um, the art of the email spam or the figuring out someone's email address. Mm-hmm. Which I still to this day I kind of yeah. you know
0: Is I, it first name, dot last name at gmail.com?
2: Well or is it the hyphen? Is it the first initial dot and in fact someone emailed me today with a script and uh, was like, oh I'm I'm gonna send this to your agent, but I just like, I hope you don't mind my kind of chutzpah for kind of sending it to, mm-hmm. to you directly. And I was like, yes. I wrote stri- immediately back to him. I was like, like I, I hate I'm, your script, but good I, job. <laughs> I just kind of like respect the kind of, sure. because that's that's what I do to people. Like I, lit- I literally just email them out of the blue or I get their phone number and call them. Um, and that's kind of how I've ever done it. And then in terms of the, pr- the process, it really depends on how much time, how much availability, you know, what else I'm doing. If I can put the, you know, I definitely will get on a plane or like, um, you know, I'll, I'll, if I think it's helpful and I've got the cash, sure. <laughs> I'll jump on a plane and kind of go and meet them because there's nothing better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that sort of sense, of, I, waiting around for people's permission to do that kind of thing, and it's kind of frustrating to me because yeah. I feel like that's the only way things happen.
0: Yeah. yeah sometimes we say that that's what this podcast is about
2: just doing it right yeah. of course yeah um, no absolutely
0: well i have a million questions for you but i just read this book about this guy that tried to interview all these various people and he talks a lot about like what his cold email is like how to send an email that will get responses oh, I and, love this. and i'm curious to know what yours is because <laughs> if you're guessing emails and you're emailing like margaret thatcher's son or something uh, i don't know if she okay, has okay here's the class what, what do you write
2: there are so many techniques but that one of my favorite ones is that in the subject line you do re colon <laughs> like something because if you just say
0: but isn't that like classic spam re your mischipment
2: <laughs> but if it's a name that looks like a you know people right. would generally hey zara yeah <laughs> re uh story te- re documentary or re film proposal or whatever oh, sure i think i think it kind of um that has that has worked for me for sure mm-hmm. it depends on your writing writing that team, is obviously. a good move though no it's good it's because back-
1: the subject line is the most important right Totally. Okay, and then you do right dear um, First Hugh name. Grant, or no. do you dear say, Hugh. <laughs>
2: just, <laughs> dear, dear, just Hugh.
0: dear Hugh?
2: I would, yeah. I wouldn't say Mr. Grant or anything like but that. But
0: D-E-A-R, right? You're not like, hey, Hugh, or <laughs> no. what's up?
2: Because I think being respect, like I like, I think the line between like, hey, I'm being quite cheeky here, but also listen to me. Mm-hmm. That That's the kind of fine line to, to tread, isn't it? And um, you definitely like keep it short and sweet. My thing is always, I, in fact, I did it last week. <laughs> to someone i watched a documentary and i um there was a character in the documentary who i just thought was an extraordinary young woman who would make a great movie like i i just was it was she was one of like eight stories in the documentary but it was a standout story to me so i figured out her email i like figured out where she was where she's studying now because mm, it was not creepy <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is sounding like I'm stalking
1: people now. <laughs> no, no, now no. that I'm talking, right you're there. going for it, though. No.
2: And then I, and then you, and then I emailed her, and the the email is very kind of polite, and, but kind of clear. You know, I'm a filmmaker. I I saw this documentary. I think your story is incredible. I'd love to talk further. Can we get, can we hop on the phone? Because you have to say enough to intrigue them, but not so much that it's kind of like. Mm. It sounds either stalkerish and weird.
0: But <laughs> when you say I'm a filmmaker do you like make a hyperlink out of that and have it go to your IMDb page or, or something? No, I don't. Do you actually... say I have a movie that is coming no, out? Or, I, I... I just worked with Dan Keaton. You don't cuz how do they know you're not just like some film student? Hmm.
2: I guess people Google people. And I think also if someone's willing what I kind of like learned, in not that I'm, you know, I'm still very much learning but the thing that I notice is that if someone's ready to tell their story this is we're talking now about real people's actual stories that's different from hey you've got a really interesting job can I talk to you Mm -hmm. for background research for something but if we're talking like with this girl who I emailed I I was thinking like she could be the basis of a movie and um, if they're if someone's in a place in their life where they're apt to tell their story they don't really. Um, I don't think people are that discerning yeah. about like, like I love
1: being in movies. That sounds yeah, fun. Yeah, like
2: yeah. and then of course anyone who is discerning will Google you and find out that you actually have got an IMDb profile and you're not a complete, uh, you know, you're not just completely chancing it. Um, But that's been my thing is getting someone on the phone or speaking to them or seeing them Mm -hmm. is so much more effective than anything you can do over email because you just get lost. And so my mission is always to try and speak to a human being.
0: And if you wanted to, like, talk to Steven Spielberg or Hugh Grant or the CEO of some big eBay or something, would you do the same thing?
2: So, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Although I might drop some you know some little little so i sprinkle some credits in in there (laughs) at that point because you know it depends what someone's going to be um you know swayed by and if someone's got like layers of people to get through but again i would always try and get that person's email address rather than um people on their way to them because i think that there are so many blockers right Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) so that's i mean it has like i i'm not i'm definitely not i have friends who kind of have a background in inve- investigative journalism mm-hmm. and th- those people are on another level in terms of like what they're prepared to do to kind of get to someone but with me it's just like if you make a direct human contact mm-hmm. and you're sincere and you can show that your interest is sincere i think it goes a long way yeah. like i got an email another email this week like and the person was like, oh, I really like all your work and was quoting like all the th- things that they'd supposedly watched him. At, and he got like three of the titles wrong. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. just like, mm, was it you Matt? clearly <laughs> you haven't then.
1: Yeah, I can't wait for, I love palm trees, but there's is going to be perfect for <laughs> they me. won it's the Palm Palms, yeah. <laughs> palms It's um.
2: just like, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I just think I find that exciting that I find speaking to people, it's always going to turn something up and, and if someone's just kind of angry and doesn't want to talk to anyone they're not going to be swayed. And and the thing is obviously you could then be in there's a different type of approach which is hey I'm working with like X film company and we've got a load of money to throw at you. Coming from a documentary background that's not really my Right, but you
0: might say I'm working for BBC or something, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or I have worked with the BBC and I'm thinking this could be interesting for them but in terms of like trying to sort of offer people i think anyone who's motivated initially in the money is
0: suspicious (laughs) right it's
2: suspicious (laughs) well do
0: you think you need to present something to them like this is what you're like you're going to get this out of it do you want to be a part of this thing or do you present it more as like hey i need this thing from you
2: oh my god that's interesting um because i think when you're telling someone's story um Again, especially in documentary, but even with um, stuff that's kind of loosely based on, you have to be. I think, and this again comes from my background of in the UK, you don't pay people to be in documentaries. Over here, there's a huge culture of paying people. Really? Yeah.
1: Is that? Did you know about that, Matt? I know that there was like a big controversy with the Two Fire Festival documentaries. Yes. yes right. Like that. Absolutely. One of the main guys got paid like the a Jerry ton of guy. Money. Yeah. No, and not so, not the Jerry guys. The the guy who was actually the the, the founder, the of... guy that organized the festival, yeah, the yeah. Festival. yeah,
0: exactly.
2: I think documentary there's a real value to like giving giving a platform for testimony, and it doesn't mm-hmm. always have to be. You don't always have to have the the counter argument because in this world, you know, there are journalistic films have to kind of have that on the, on the one hand, on the other hand. But I think there's a, where documentary really shines is like giving personal testimony, kind of mm-hmm. elevating that to kind of film you know to cinema and and i think that's what it does but it's as a result it's like really disturbing but that um those people were not paid a cent for being part of that process and it was a uk um director and he talked i heard an interview with him where he talked about that and i kind of thought there is something about um the culture or the background in, in having grown up in that world of kind of the UK documentary scene where it is such a taboo to even think about paying a contributor. And then you think, well, actually someone's giving you the most, like they're giving you, on on the other hand, you know, it's all people have is their story and they should be, you know, compensated for that. But it muddies things and, and all of this to say that I think if, if someone's from the outset, their interest has to be in trusting you to tell that story and so it's not like hey I need this like it's it's a transaction I think both people get something out of being in a film um and making a film clearly the person making the film gets something out of it and I always ask myself that especially with documentaries it's like why why am I doing this and what does what does the other person get out of it like, what are they, what is it giving to them, you know, and is it worth it for them? Because it can be.
0: But do you think that, like, while you're, while they're admitting they murdered someone on camera or whatever? Yeah, like... I
2: do, actually. I made a documentary about a 15-year-old boy who, and a 12-year-old boy who shot and killed the stepfather of the 15-year-old, and I interviewed them both in prison. And, um, it, you know, that is the most, well, what is the justification here? Like, what are you you know, what are you doing? <laughs>
0: like, and have you ever not, you're like, this is like an yeah. amazing for the documentary, but bad for...
2: For the person. Yeah. I have actually, yeah. I, I've, I've kind of, um, oh, or for other reasons, for kind of, you know, the message overall that you kind of want to give, um, I would, wouldn't feel, I would feel it's okay to edit something that is, goes against the overall message that you are trying to put in, across through the through the film, because you know, the idea that documentary is this pure
1: mm-hmm. thing. Sure, is this pure journalism, right? Yeah, it? you're, uh, I mean, it's you're storytelling. Storytelling,
2: storytelling yeah. absolutely. And so, no, I, I feel very kind of, I've thought about that stuff a lot, and I think you have to, especially when you're putting three people, especially when the subject matter is darker. You know, mm-hmm. and I've made my fair share of darker things which is why poms is such a kind of a it looks like a bit of a kind of an an anomaly or a left turn in my career because it's you know I've made documentaries about um like the Rana Plaza tragedy in Bangladesh which is like the second worst industrial disaster in the entire history of the world and I interviewed survivors of that and the most horrific horrendous experiences that people have had and then now I'm making a cheerleading comedy.
0: Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do. I do have like a. I think a good segue to the comedy, the cheerleading comedy, which is, you know, we heard about how you got, how you get various people to be in your documentaries. <laughs> but what do you cold email? You know, D. Keaton at ah. uh, hotmail.com.
2: Do you know the truth? I mean, and this is where. There's a lot of problems with our industry and it's completely crazy and um, irrational and luck is such a major part of it. And I can't, it's so hard to imagine like, how you see a career path and all of that stuff. But this is an example where the system just has worked. Like it's just happened. It's worked. Mm-hmm. Literally, we. it went through the agencies. It went through oh, wow. her agent. She read it. I mean, it's it's sort of- Okay, like- why did you send the agent? <laughs> what in you send the agent the script i mean literally i mean Listen. i think i wrote a li- actually no so I think your agent
0: I- sent her agent are you at the same agency
2: uh we are now but i wasn't at the time i wasn't with wme then because they're um i didn't have u.s reps at that point i was just in the uk and um this is what i'm saying it's like it's an extraordinary sort of it seems when I used to hear people say that kind of thing at um, Q and A's, I was like, Ha oh, that doesn't yeah. really happen. That's yeah. bullshit." Like, I'm going to keep. Someone knew out someone who emails. knew someone, and yeah. but genuinely, like we had um, we had well, it financed before she was attached, so they mm-hmm. could say this is a real yeah. offer. Well, that's a big. That's a huge thing, obviously, because people's biggest issue is wasting people like her time. Mm-hmm. Right. She clearly can't read everything that's being sent and um so there was a kind of like a, the company that we were working with had committed to financing the movie and it was going to happen mm-hmm. and um so And
0: it wasn't contingent on on casting. No this IMDb is the amazing meter, meter this is incredible. Number let's, of let's, your, let's back yeah. up.
1: Let's let's so, start a little bit this earlier. This is why yeah, this
2: yeah. film story is kind of like a, I'm very aware of how it's the kind of um, it, it's extraordinary and, and I don't know if this will ever happen to me again sure.
1: well the well, trick is you only need it to happen the first time <laughs> yeah yeah, and like have an incredible career creating great documentaries that then get turned into feature films yeah. right and then <laughs> turn your own and then whoop it just fell into your lap after a decade of work right?
2: yeah exactly that's I'm not yeah. suggesting that like it's not like I I didn't like I, we, it, it's been in every stage it's, it feels like a wading through treacle you sure. know but it there is aspects of the story of how it came to be that are just kind of there it's very smooth like mm-hmm. even the financing happened within a very short space of time we had multiple offers of finance and we went we chose who financed it
1: incredible so so how did that happen so you've got the script right and e1 financed it right
2: it was actually a company called Sierra Affinity who got mm-hmm. bought by e1 recently so now it's oh. an e1 film but it was Sm- they were a company who um, they're a sales agent basically based in LA and they have kind of like they had an interesting place in the market in that they were doing the kind of 5 to 15 million dollar films and finding a way to sell wow. them through foreign sales and kind of like make the numbers make sense in the way that A24 have very clearly taken a piece of the pie that was not being like looked at by other people I think they did something quite unique um, in that they were selling and uh, movies. They they had a long-standing business in selling movies internationally, so they knew what kind of the appetites were, and they were very honed in terms of the commercial, like right. the market for things. And, and then, they so, felt
0: like there was a market for comedy. Well, they started.
2: Yeah. Well, they started financing films, and the and the f- first film they were majorly involved in. From a financing point of view, it was Atomic Blonde, uh-huh. um, oh, yeah. and they and they did That's a very well at Straight up uh, genre
0: film, though. right? Straight
2: up, yeah, exactly. But then, with Palms, this was the first film that they'd offered to fully, entirely finance, and they felt they knew from the on the basis of the concept and the script. But I would say even more than the script, the con honestly the concept. This is me interpreting this I have clearly am not a sales agent and I've never been to sure. a market
1: but it makes intuitive sense
0: right? all right now it's, it's, it's finance like... out of AFM right
2: no 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 they financed it internationally oh
0: this it's sold at AFM
2: and it's sold domestically at AFM I see. okay once it had been made so they basically said, you know, these people are experts in knowing what they can and can't sell at a market.
0: And it was the biggest sale at AFM. Right? It
2: was, yeah. And and they basically go, okay, this concept, if we can get some, mm-hmm. we can get good people in it, which I'm sure we can because the script is. Which good. Which is
0: crazy because you got it financed before, before Diane Keaton, absolutely. anyone else in the cast?
2: No.
1: Yeah. So, it was,
0: but I'm sure it was based on you too, right?
2: Well, I'd love to think so.
0: I mean, they wouldn't...
2: <laughs> lo- I mean, you don't well, just
0: finance a film without, like, believing I, in the director.
2: They believed in me. I know, it's... I, was I there ever what, a talk
0: of a different director?
2: I couldn't... I, no, because I wouldn't... This is the thing that I did that was smart. Like, I, it wouldn't have... It couldn't happen without me. Um,
0: and did you write it?
2: I co-wrote it. So I, I had the... It was my idea. I had this story, and then I found a screenwriter who I worked with, because mm-hmm. I hadn't written a produced script, obviously, before but i um they couldn't have the the uh, the idea if i weren't doing it so no i think they they they'd seen my previous work and they believed in me and they thought they could finance it at a level where the risk was they mm-hmm. they were comfortable with the risk like they they from the basis of the knowing the market and knowing that this kind of clearly they thought the script was good enough and they knew that they could sell the idea with the right kind of package and that they could finance it to to make it make sense and we started off from that point and then it did slightly grow and it got bigger obviously as we got you know then we did get the kind of you do your list don't you and then it's like diane keaton is obviously number one and then you get her (laughs) and that's when it kind of
0: wait so so sorry just for our listeners that have never done this before first of all afm is the american film market right so that's that's a market um but before you before you finished the movie when you sold it, so
2: absolutely. So it was it had been finance. So what happens is, and again, caveat: I'm not in film finance, but I've seen it close enough now that I understand. Um, I think basically what they do is they take the package. Um,
0: and what what do you mean by the package? So
2: the idea, the script, the director, any talent that are attached to it,
0: and and there's no life rights or anything attached no. to this idea.
2: No there's no life rights because it fiction. it's total fiction in you know it's inspired by a true story, mm-hmm. um but it's complete fiction, and they take it to cannes berlin mm-hmm. the the major markets where movies sell as ideas and they they say to distributors in uh, in certain countries, mm-hmm. "Hey uh, Germany, would you be interested in a year's ta- uh, two years' time in having a movie?" uh about a senior citizen cheerleading squad oh yeah that sounds interesting what would you pay they have a negotiation they do a deal in principle of like if you make that film this is what i'll buy it for Mm -hmm. and they cobble together through
0: and do they bring a poster of the movie or they did something really cool yeah
2: they did they did they absolutely did they they do something actually amazingly cool they make these little videos of like the director talking about it and if there's any talent they do mm-hmm. so they they um did aaron sorkin's directorial debut and they had mm-hmm. like jessica chastain talking about why she wanted to do the film <laughs> sure.
1: right. and if you
2: show anyone that right it's right. like yeah.
1: how much you want to pay no
2: but it's <laughs> like imagine you know i'd be if i were a kind of distributor in sure. iceland and i saw yeah. it's okay it's real these were real company they've done it many times before were
0: they
1: walking and talking
0: That's <laughs> right <laughs> well i guess um that you have this idea and maybe this company's like, okay, we'll make this movie for $4 million. But if you get someone that's on this list of 50 actresses, then we will make it for $7 Absolutely. million. Like that there is, but if it's these actors, then we'll make it for $5 million.
2: A hundred percent. The whole world of foreign sales is predicated on mm-hmm. the numbers that actors bring to foreign sales. So that is the entire business. And, and, the people who, who work in this are like incredibly smart, strategic and kind of, you know, you can say a name of an actor <laughs> to them and they'll say, worth. we could give you that. At, I could I could finance that for you at five million. Right. I could make that work.
1: Yeah. yeah they're but, like poker players. Like they just have the stats in their heads. Yeah.
0: But what was special about your situation, which I know, Matt, you've gone through this and I've gone I've had things set up where it's like if we get one of these actors the movie goes and we don't get the actor and the movie doesn't go um but you had that no matter what your movie is going to go now it can only get bigger and better yes but we have a shoot date
2: clearly they had they would have in the contract had some sort of out for it you know, but it was a commitment to make the film, and that was very important to the producers, obviously, because you don't just want to cut. Anyone would say, "Great, if you get an A-list then sure. actor, then I'll, I'll I'll finance it." But that what was special about the offer was that they they wanted to make the movie, right. and they they were like, "We'll we'll make this work," and they were confident that we could attract some people who, you know, I think everyone's been amazed at who we didn't end up attracting, frankly. But I think that. um they felt confident enough in the concept and the script mm-hmm. that, the, and hopefully the, you know the director that they felt like okay let's let's do this let's make this we'll you know we'll we'll expand or contract the budget depending on what happens mm-hmm. you know um, so from that point of view I hadn't quite understood before or appreciated how much of the film business is is driven by foreign sales mm-hmm. um, and and then the domestic sale becomes a whole other thing and what you know what happens in America. And it's and
0: an American movie, right? Completely. Okay, so let's go back to the you cut con- your you contact her agent, you say, here's the script, with, the movie's greenlit already. We would love for her her to consider it and then does she say, Okay, I want to meet no. the director? Yes,
2: yeah, she says she wants to meet you. Clearly
1: she Where'd this, you guys meet?
2: This amazingly again, this is Diane is such her an house. extraordinary unique person. No, in a coffee shop in Santa Jack Monica. House.
1: Oh, 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 that's good. Which coffee shop?
2: I can't remember the name uh, of it, but it's like, I just. You're it's, it's a hipster coffee shop. Sure, D- yeah. Don't worry, yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah. But it was just like, uh, the 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 best thing about it was that my experience with Diane is that um, she operates in a way that is completely in sync with mine in that the first email I got was from her agent saying, do you mind if I pass on your email? Like, do you mind if Diane contacts you? She's got a few questions and right, thoughts. Right.
1: Cut out the middleman. Absolutely. It's such an I, agent move, right? And
2: And I said, of course not. Like, <laughs> I, I'm like, oh yeah, sure, I don't mind if she... And then from that moment, it's like I get the email, it's the most detailed, thoughtful five pages of like thoughts and notes I'd like to meet and discuss these if you think that this is something that you're interested in discussing, you know uh, these are my issues with it. this is what I love about it. um these are some you know random musings I have about the subject matter um can we meet and that's so cool. then and it we'll, was we'll ju- put
0: that email on our website <laughs> sure.
2: but that so that's what was and I think again that is. I think that's pretty rare and unique in mm-hmm. the way she operates. It's just completely direct. And, you know, she's a, her, very much like her own stylist, her own curator, her own, mm-hmm. she does her own stuff. And um, she was, she's been from that moment, just a kind of creative partner, like in the true, and in, in a completely non-bullshit way, I'm saying that like she has been a force mm-hmm. in the project. She's like, and when I met her, I, she was absolutely not committed to doing it. You know, she wanted to watch all my documentaries. She watched them all. She gave me feedback on
0: them. All. Are you serious? Wait, how <laughs> many? How, you, I mean, I you made her like, links. You made like oh, she watched a, them d- over all. Over a dozen, right?
2: Oh, yeah. She watched like the fifteen-minute piece that I made for the Guardian newspaper about the. Bo- <laughs> I mean, she she really does her homework. And she gave me like, you know, brutally honest thoughts and feedback on all of them. She's like, That's the really... lighting will be
0: better on me right? uh, <laughs> than this Bangladesh <laughs> lady.
2: She, honestly, just, you know, so she she kind of was not going to sign up to something where she didn't. That's not who she is. You know, she wasn't just going to be like, yeah, I love the idea and I love the script. I'll do it. She wanted to know who she was getting into business with. And um, and then so after that meeting, which was a slightly surreal coffee shop experience, sure with <laughs> kids she she then you know i kind of knew after that meeting that she would well i hoped but you have a sense you have a sense, have a sense yeah. because she was so invested i don't think you send a f- i don't think you spend so much time at her level of where she's at in her mm-hmm. career thinking about a script and, and investigating the people involved in it if you're not kind of into the idea Wait, can i
0: ask one more question which you don't have to answer but when you send it to her agent, you know that if Diane says yes to the movie it's, it's the happening. budget is a, is a different level uhhuh so when you send it her the the script, do you also send an offer that takes into account this bigger budget
2: oh, that's a really good question i I'm pretty sure they didn't send in an offer with the first because that that went through the casting director. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the sort of, the initial approach kind of came through the official channels, but I don't think they, there's an assumption that if you're at that Mm -hmm. level, there'll be a conversation that will be grown up about it. I think it's like, who's talking to who, right? In terms of, this was a reputable company with a brilliant casting director sending a a bona fide kind of
1: offer. Yeah, 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 to
2: a, a real actual movie like these are people who've all worked with each other they all know each other I'm the kind of random wild card in the process but I'm not saying hey come you know this is what I'll pay you to be in my movie or whatever you know it's sort of like there's an understanding that this business kind of there are levels and and that that's like a problem for later if she wants to do it clearly no one's going to try and lowball you know it, it's
0: sort of well but there's a difference it's not I think if you're making a movie for like $2 million dollars or something then right and you offer her 200000 right like 10% of the budget it's not that's not an offensive offer but for her Einstein. well so I, I was attached to this movie and it starred this older character and we were trying to get like a Tommy Lee Jones or Jeff Bridges or Jack Nichols someone like that to read it and what we ran into is like when you are an Oscar winner you're in your 70s or 80s mm-hmm. or whatever and someone is like, "Hey, will you come with me for a month to Michigan to shoot this film? Like, it's going to take, you know, an insane script, a, an amazing director, or a lot of money to to just say to this person. I mean, clearly, Dan Keaton doesn't need the reading. money, yes. to survive.
2: Absolutely, but I think that that's where I think that's where the idea comes into its own because, um, you know, all the roles for. Diane is obviously one of the actors of her generation who is working often and clearly, right. you know, is is regularly in movies. But I would say that something that she feels and is true if you just look at the things that she's done, you know, you're always someone's mother, you're someone's grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie isn't really about you. Like, it's about um, some people in their yeah, 40s right. and you are the kind of... And that's fine yeah, and valid, but yeah, that's valid. Or there's the other trope, which is the kind of, um, seniors finding love. Sure. Right. Which is a whole other,
0: or criminals robbing a bank. I feel like I see that. Yes. A lot. I, that's a new one that I'm okay that's with. That's the sort of <laughs> mischievous kind one. of like, yeah. like having yeah. fun. Yeah.
2: But I think that, um, I but think star, that star
0: star of the cheerleading team is rare.
2: So yeah. you can imagine, you can imagine like, I don't know, and I'm completely fantasizing here, but you can imagine that like weekly call with your agent where it's like, what's come in and, yeah, you're just like oh yawn 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 like another, another fabulous right.
1: kitchen for me to stand yeah in, right? absolutely
2: yeah. like oh i cannot oh great so that's yeah. another vehicle for that a-list 40 odd year old right. actress and i'm the kind of i'm the get i get to be her mother or right. you know right. Right. and then it's like what hang on what something about set, set i would set up a cheerleading team <laughs> like, yeah. i've never diane's never really danced before that right. you know it's not her thing and and again, it's just like sometimes something chimes with someone and mm-hmm. you've hit something, which is just like something about that appealed enough to her to go, I want to read that. Mm-hmm. You know, let me, let's have a look. And then once, once you're actually with that person, all of those conversations about what you're offering and then it's about you know especially with someone who is so much their own she, i th- think she is really an artist like i wouldn't i don't say that about many people but i do think she's still despite you know all the things that she's achieved and all the um she's been at the kind of cold cold face of commercial cinema right mm-hmm. in a way like sure. for decades but she but she kind of still has the ability to kind of put all that aside and just go, what is this? You know, look at it on its own terms, which I think is also probably she's very rare in that sense. But I don't think everyone who's at that level of the game is like that either.
0: Yeah, no, there's definitely some actors that have been around for a while that are like phoning it in for the paycheck. You know, they'll do... Like I'll do anything for fifty thousand yeah, dollars a day. If you
2: pay me I and mean, frankly, you know, when we were talking about casting, like in the initial conversations, those things are known, right? And mm-hmm. people know who those people are.
1: I wanna talk a little bit about actually your thought process. So you've got Diane Keaton in this the the rest of this entire awesome cast, and you've got a background in documentary, so you're stepping out like how do you prepare to, to do that to direct performances, yeah. you know? with an artist with a, a force you know with someone right. who knows their I think way it's around easy right you're, you're just like I don't feel like that's real just be real right <laughs> Wait, can you do that better please yeah. um wh- how the did, truth Diane but really how did you prepare like what did you think about and what okay. what panned out well and what maybe would you would I change, change? yeah mm.
2: that's a very good question um so in terms of how I prepared I I feel like my big my big thing from the get-go was there's no hiding here. There's no escaping mm-hmm. the fact that I'm not going to bullshit my way through this and pretend that I've done this because before because I haven't. Mm-hmm. And as I said, from the first meeting, Diane wanted a, a list of links to all my films. And we we had a very kind of clear conversation about that um, in the sense of, you know, this is a, ju- you know, we're going to go on a bit of a journey together Um And I wanted to be really honest about where I was because I didn't want to feel the extra pressure of kind of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like my approach to it was to be sincere and meet them to appreciate who they were and what they were bringing. You know, let's be real, I'm working with experts here. You know, I'm, I'm getting to sort of work with people who've done this a few times and did that
0: translate across your whole crew like your cinematographer your production designer your stylist? in terms of
2: and, who i cho- chose yeah. to
0: like did they all come from narrative or did you bring p- some people from your doc crew like
2: the, the main reason i couldn't bring people from my doc crew is because a lot of them were basically in england and we didn't have the budget so that was a the the main reasoning for that wasn't to do with the narrative doc thing it was the realities of of having to employ people from Georgia because of the tax credit. Um, But so I would have loved that, actually. Um, But I definitely, um, the people who I chose, um, I tried to be sensitive to my own background and I didn't want to disappear. Like, I didn't want to, I know a couple of other people who've been documentary makers who've made the leap, Mm -hmm. as it's known as, um, (laughs) into narrative Um, And I don't think it's that huge of a leap actually, personally, but, um, in terms of the realities of what you're doing, but the, um, one thing that I kind of got from people was that if you kind of like lose yourself, you Mm -hmm. know, what you have is years of telling stories like through a camera and, um, that's very valuable and, um, you have to kind of put systems in place where you can sort of um, lean into what you do have and then where you don't have it, Mm -hmm. you kind of ask for help or you're honest about it and you kind of look for support from those around you. So I think the balance that you're talking about maybe is how are you kind of honest about your inexperience in that sense, but also commanding, you know, this ensemble cast of like Mm A-list actors and I honestly can't give you an answer to that because I think it's people either. I think you it's an instinctive thing, and I think you either have it in you to be able to coordinate to to be that person or not. It's about knowing what you want, right? Not that I didn't, you know, prepare, and not that I did. I I, I, I spent some time with a directing actors coach beforehand, and I did my homework in that sense. But I don't think anything can really prepare you for that moment when it's like the floor is yours and you've got kind of in the first thing we filmed was one of the scenes with all the eight women on the team Mm -hmm. so you've got like eight sets of eyes looking at you and the crew all standing there going what are we doing like where can can we do a marking rehearsal the crew
1: is worse though right because they're like kind of like like well they rough, have time like,
0: to judge you from behind you know, <laughs> know as opposed yeah. to like in, t- in your I face th- I yeah.
2: think that the atmosphere that uh, from meeting them with a kind of honestly from the get-go but also being very clear that the story that I wanted to tell in terms of the sensibility overall I, I kind of always wanted to be open but at the same time you know to ideas and everything and it absolutely collaborative but I definitely like had a strong sense of the kind of tone that I wanted to achieve with it, and I think that um, they responded to that. I mean, you'd have to ask them. I feel because <laughs> I no, genuinely, like I don't know, but I I think that there's um, a respect that's gained from like someone sure. who's not trying to be something that they're not. Yeah,
1: if you're bullshitting, if you're bullshitting, that,
2: yeah. I think that's the worst thing. Yeah. I, I really do, and I think that there are all these myths about directors and the kind of cult of the kind of, um, the director who saw the movie in their head and then they, mm-hmm. and then it happened. My out vision. The, yeah. My vision. I hate yeah. the word vision more yeah. than anything. Actually. It's one of my biggest pet peeves. And, we've, and talked
0: about, <laughs> we've talked about that a lot. Cause it's just, it's intimidating to the director more than anything.
2: <laughs> and everyone, it feels like stifling. I, yeah. I just say, like, why would anyone want to be, you know, you're an a- actor who's had 50 years of experience that, uh, life and acting and then you're coming on board with someone who's telling you that they've already got it all figured out and they know exactly it It, feels like the death of creativity to me
1: but it's also on a practical level the director is always going to have the least amount of time on a set yeah always you know what i mean like there's just so many factors (laughs) there's so many factors and it takes so long to make a movie that like any day player is just going to be around the block many times over
2: yeah, but I think that they're in. I think that that's where the
1: unless you're a documentary filmmaker, where
0: you're where like where you've sure. got time and, and yeah. I, done thousands of days on set.
2: Well, here's the thing. So that was my my thing was how can I bring like sprinkles of like what it feels like to make a documentary to this crazy set. Two words,
0: right. handheld. I did. It, I,
2: there's <laughs> I whole kidding. scenes in this movie that are handheld, oh, which good. is extraordinary for a, for where for what it is.
0: What comedies don't, you can't do a can't comedy handout. What is this? Modern I family. Managed, I managed
2: yeah. to kind of sneak it in.
0: Oh, good, good. What What are the other? Were struggles? you operating?
2: No, I wasn't <laughs> operating though. No. but our DP was on, on some of it. And I chose the DP as someone who has done, he is, you know, very, very, um, what they call a safe pair of hands, which mm-hmm. I, I, I always think that's the, can be a compliment and also can seem a bit derogatory at the same time. But he—he he is really seasoned. He's done everything. He shot most of David Gordon Green's films. Oh, awesome! Oh, cool. But then he's also done like um, big studio comedies. Mm-hmm. Bit you know, really well. David big.
0: Gordon Green's done. He did Pineapple Express. He shot. Right Tim tomorrow.
2: shot Pineapple Express. He was perfect because to me, he's just like very unique in that he has done docs, he still does docs occasionally, he d- he'll he do a $2 million film if he likes it, all handheld, but he'll also be employed to do kind of like uh, these Christmas family movies where he'll be, you know, and so he understands the kind of, like, he understood the kind of what we needed to do to satisfy the powers that be enough mm-hmm. <laughs> without, so without freaking them out, because if I'd come in and got like an... A, gritty doc DP
0: sure. there's just yeah. no
2: way that would have fl- flown
0: I've actually never heard that term before have you a safe pair of hands I wonder if it's British or if I, I just have never heard it have like, you never oh.
2: heard that oh that's but I, I like I keep it. being like that told term. that all the time about everything <laughs> yeah. everything I've ever done every producer has always wanted to pair me up with a safe pair of hands hmm. Because uh, oh, wow. I, you know, there's a perception that Were you're you not a safe the safe pair time? of hands. So, yeah, <laughs> it's like you know, oh, we need to get you a super experienced editor because they're the safe pair of hands. What? Yeah. I wonder if it's a young female thing, but th- there is definitely. I like wonder if a, it's
0: a British thing. I've never heard that thing. Have you? I, I hope. I, I, I have hope a it's hunch not
1: that. that you're right. Actually. No, no. I, yeah, honestly, think, like everything
2: like, that what I've realized is like, like. Don't
1: worry. We'll get someone to take care. of you. Completely, we'll yeah. get
2: someone to look after you and take care of you. Unless it's like an old
1: school thing. No, know. it's
2: like a kind of you know you are you probably need some like looking after here, so we'll get you a safe pair of hands yeah. and there's an a and kind of like this assumption that it can you can control someone through if you can kind of sure. make sure that they work with certain types of people that right. you can kind of control them, but I kind of feel like in order to that dance of like keeping those people happy and getting what you want is obviously the whole art form of being a director.
0: Yeah, um, it's getting the cast and the crew to like you at the same time Yeah, and the and, producers.
2: Right, and and meanwhile kind of keeping sh- making sure that you're fighting the battles that are really important and the ones that aren't, yeah. you're kind of making sure that you um, gracefully kind of let them go. You just have to make sure
0: to tell them, okay, you're going to win this something. one, but you're going to give <laughs> sure. me the next one.
2: Well, um, I, I think though, again, it's like, I just think, you know, any, a good idea can come from anywhere. Sure, and if the, sure. I'm sort of up for putting myself completely aside with all of that and just letting it f- flow. And going back to your question about what other kind of, how do you, I mean, clearly we were on a ridiculous schedule. We didn't what, have much. Did we had 29 days. We lost one day to Lightning—that's a whole other story. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah, it was a night. Those but the- tax
1: credits were worth it, though, right? <laughs> well, for,
2: for someone they were. <laughs> yeah. um, but they—they they definitely
0: Diane tax credits Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: Just my god! god. <laughs> the Georgia thing is 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 a whole Georgia in summer is not a place yeah. to to Ooh. comfortably shoot a movie with lots yeah, yeah. of exteriors, but um, it it's. Uh, it was kind of like we were on a kind of relentless schedule of a lower-budget film, but with people who kind of operate at a level that is much higher. So Mm -hmm. it felt like we had, and everyone always says this, and it always is the case, of course you don't feel that you don't have enough, but it really, we were so up against it in the sense of getting through the work, and um, we didn't have kind of... The normal contingencies that you might Mm -hmm. have in in this sort of situation so I'm not suggesting that kind of it was this free-for-all kind of thing and obviously because of my background in documentary there was a kind of the eyes were on me to make sure that I could actually pull off you know Mm -hmm. the day getting the days in on time and and that I wasn't going off piste and kind of being free with the material. But at the same time, like, I wanted some of that. And Diane, and this, again, is why she's such an important creative collaborator, because she loves being free with scripts and material and kind of doing things differently and and trying things. And um, she doesn't like just, like, doing the same thing three times, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we found a way in which in certain scenes we could do, we could be a bit more experimental and kind of, like
0: three cameras <laughs> it was
2: two it definitely was two but no we 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 there are whole scenes in palms where like half of the stuff is was in the moment
1: yeah which I mean, again hey, for comedy. that comedy it's fine right you know for that <laughs> but for
2: that kind of film right is is quite unusual as well yeah. and that was obviously the producer's biggest fear is that i would make sure. uh, that i was trying to kind of make they kept saying in a very derogatory way, that's this isn't, you know, it's not some indie New York film. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And, those and don't so travel.
2: that's seen as kind of, that was yeah. seen as the kind of anathema of what we were yeah, doing. You're like, have you
0: seen Manhattan? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, but
2: I kind of, I, I completely appreciate what they're saying in the sense of like, we were trying to get a real balance and now it's being distributed very widely mm-hmm. because it feels like, you know, a certain type of film and i'm very grateful for that but i also wanted to make sure that i where i could like got got in you know the things that i thought would make it feel more organic or mm-hmm. would make it feel a bit more grounded well, and, let me
0: ask you just to get super specific so i'm assuming when you're making your documentaries obviously you're being opportunistic but you have like a structure and you have a shot list yes. of, right how did how did you make, did you make a shot list for this movie? How'd-
2: yeah, Tim was, Tim all the DP is really like the credit to him because he, what he had that I didn't have is he could honestly schedule in terms of the lighting setups and know actually how much time, because the big difference from what I've done before is actually not working with the actors and any of that. It's the amount of lighting weirdly and so that's you're used
0: the, to like three or four lights
2: oh yeah absolutely an available light and or you like know,
0: one interview setup that you're going to be at all day
2: yeah and i'm I, I the interesting thing is my documentaries aren't kind of gritty and they're actually like the last three things i did i shot on the alexa anyway mm-hmm. so it's not like i'm making kind of run and gun like handheld stuff i think the perception of like oh she's a documentary maker sure it yeah. it Especially in the last few years of the things that have been kind of being made. And we've all seen that documentaries can be incredibly cinematic yeah. and, and have great drone shots right? and stuff. Oh, yes. Well, now that's become ridiculously overused. And now property TV shows have got drone shots sure. in the opening credits, course. haven't yeah. they? Well,
0: that's. That, I think that's where drones come from, is real estate agents. <laughs> yeah, right? But uh, even American Vandal, you know, that Netflix show, which is like a mockumentary there's like so many drone shots in the second season, and I couldn't tell if that was like part of the joke or not. No, it's definitely. I'm sure it's it is. Yeah. I'm sure it is. Because
2: yeah. the question of how you then, in a world where everything's 4K and you can get a drone really easily, what makes something cinematic is a fascinating sure. question. But, um, but in terms of the the sort of shot, the, the process of how we how we came to write this shot list, the the thing that I felt I lacked more than anything. The thing that I was most worried about is that it was just because you know, you're lighting eight women often in the same room, and um, yeah, it's a big cast, it's yeah. huge yeah. like yeah. older, they're it's not
0: 15 and the, years old, they're
2: all different, yeah. um, skin tones, you know, everybody's um older, you know, and we want it to feel natural. I don't want it to feel. and they're all
0: they've all been on so many sets where they could literally be like, be hey, the one, don't put that light there, absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, I want them to feel comfortable, but I also don't want it to feel like a kind of glossy, fake, mm-hmm. heightened movie. So lighting eight women in a dance scene where they're all wearing exercise gear, um, they're all over the age of 60 or 65. Um, you've got people who have been on camera for their whole life. And um, you need to move through it quickly. And I don't want a situation where... We have to have such strict marks that people can't move in the shot.
0: You just got to fix it all with visual effects.
2: Well, we've bet, you know, what's amazing is what Tim achieved and his team. I I really think I'm so pleased with that aspect of it because, but when we were shot listing, he would be like, okay, Zara, like we need, you know, if -hmm. you want to get that and that, you know, that's a 50 minute changeover. Um, And I'd be like, 50 minutes, what are you, what are you, can you, and he's like, know yeah, Just no, move bing. the camera, dude. <laughs> yeah. He like, no, 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 it's realistically like though, light. come on. Like, yeah. I, you know, this is, to do this changeover, to flip from side to side, that's, and then, so then that, of course, informs, well, how can we shoot this in a way that's efficient and keeps the mm-hmm. values that we want? And, you know, that was a process, but he was really good at kind of, we would have a, we'd have a, an idea of what we wanted to do to cover. And the fact of the matter is when you're working on such a crazy schedule, you do end up, excuse me, when you're working on such a crazy schedule, you do end up chasing, getting through the work to have enough to edit. And that can be very depressing.
0: Like changing lenses. Like we got this on the 25, let's do it on an 85.
2: Yeah, or just like we need the reverse of that and we've only got time to do shot and reverse. I mean, sometimes it was just so limited. And when you have
0: eight, People. Yeah.
2: So. So. It. Well. I'm not it's pretending like two, that I shots. think that we had the freedom here to, and in the future I would. You know, it would be amazing to be able to have more time to actually construct. Mm-hmm. But we, tr- wherever we could, we tried to be as, um, as smart as we could to kind of get something that felt,
1: mm-hmm. you know, alive and alive. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah.
2: Because it would be on the time in the time that we had. You know, it would the the economics of it say shoot it like tv basically right that, and right. that's the sad truth of the matter sure.
0: did you use a lot of steadicam or dolly or cranes or anything we like didn't
2: that? we we used um steadicam in a few places like for, especially for the dance the finale oh, right. obviously for the two big dance performances we we used um cranes but for the um for the most part i this is the thing that i kind of we would be discussing how we would do a certain scene, and it would be like, "Well, we could do, we could be like dolly through the women here, or we could be handheld." And I would often opt for the handheld option, mm-hmm. Um which I, I just, you know, when it works, I love the feel of it because you feel like there's a human being there, and I like that. Yeah. Um. And and I think there are there are a couple of scenes in the film that I I feel are where it feels most. Alive, and they are the scenes where we had the two operators Mm -hmm. going around finding things with the, you know,
1: yeah, sure, finding
2: moments like lines and looks and things that you just, you know, you just there are some, and that's when it feels real to me, right? You know,
0: right. Right. Do you think there's any sort of relationship between handheld and comedy? Like, I I guess a lot of times, I mean, some of the modern stuff, like the Veep and modern family stuff, is very handheld, but. I think traditionally, like comedy, has been shot very like yeah because you have static, to wide
2: yeah because you there's a physicality to it right that and that's the that's where you've got to choose your moments because there is a there's a physicality to some aspects of it where you just need to let the act you need to see what they're doing and like actually you can be limiting it by being too in in there and too intimate um, <clears throat> but I think with um, palms because I was trying to achieve something that felt like it, it's kind of got heart to it and um it's not being marketed in that way necessarily but um to me um the the sort of there is an emotional storyline within it that <clears throat> that if you watch the movie um hopefully comes out and when it went in those moments that feel more intimate and more personal that's when I kind of allowed us to go in there because I agree with you like there is a reason that studio comedies have been shot in a the same way Mm -hmm. and you just kind of there's a certain extent to which you have to kind of capitulate to that and be like okay in the time and everything you know there's this works yeah Um, even
0: if you go back to like Buster Keaton days absolutely uh, which I only know about because of that every frame of painting yeah
2: I think it's something about like the trickery of like what's going on and and you don't need the camera to be tricking you as well (laughs) like there's something about like you just need to know that like okay you know that you need to know where you are, and it just gives you a very safe place from which the performance can be right. the yeah. foreground. or
0: there's this very mostly not true idea, but helpful on occasion that if the people are moving, then you don't need to move the camera, and if the people aren't moving, then it's nice to move the camera you know? uh-huh. like mm-hmm. like one or the other, but when you have both things moving, it's like an action scene, I guess absolutely,
2: yeah, yeah. And it can become it can become too much. Yeah, and I think also let, letting all of that stuff get in the way of, like, uh, the performance would be a mistake, you know. And I, I've all, okay. I always felt that. And it's not to say that in the future I don't have aspirations to make films that are oh. more, um, you know, from a cinematography point of view, more kind of elaborate or whatever. But for this, I think you've got to know, like, what your value system is. Exactly. And with the, with the thing that you're making. And, and for, you know, for me, it was like these women and looking at these women is my kind of front and center. You know, that's what I want to happen here. And mm-hmm. I actually think, you know, doing anything that's too elaborate and kind of um, and directors love to talk about like, you know, how they design shot sequences and stuff. And those kind of things take up a lot of airtime on, mm-hmm. on, on kind of filmmakers talking about filmmaking but i I think in the end it's like knowing what the what's your key asset here like what's this what are people going to be engaging with on a real level here um and trying to do everything you can to sort of help that and support that that's why tim was so interesting because he you know you know you don't win awards for like shooting commercial comedies yeah and yet it's a real art form and um he has done, like, you know, he did Z for Zachariah. Mm. So that's the movie you'd win an award for, you know. Right, right. So it's but kind of, bouncing back and forth. Yeah, so bouncing back. I found yeah. that so interesting, yeah. you know, about him. That's why I really loved him. I thought, this is a very unusual man.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think shoot, shooting those really bright, colorful, saturated things is harder, personally. Like, um, Like, you see a DP shoot with one light, you know, or, like, shooting something like Children of Men. I mean, it's beautiful, and the camera design is, like, amazing, but from a lighting point of view, it's like, let's just backlight everything and let things play out in silhouette, and it's, like wow, that's amazing. But then when you're doing a comedy and they're like, hey, we really want to see everyone's faces and everyone should look good and soft and we're going to move around here and then they're going to fall down this, off the roof of the house and it all needs to be clear and visually engaging. And but also stuff. don't it's,
2: draw too much attention yeah, to yourself. Sure. Yeah. And that, and that's what's hard. A, a really hard. And that's why I kind of take my hat off in terms of the, the lighting particularly because I think that to light for those kind of scenes and do it in a way that feels... That doesn't mm-hmm. feel garish and kind right. of just over like everything's
0: right. bl- just bl-
2: overlit. It's not to the Disney, point. yes, like, it's
0: natural but beautiful. I
2: think part. that is so hard to do as a skill.
1: Yeah. <laughs> is there anything that you wish you could change? Like looking back, like what what advice would you give yourself uh, starting the movie?
2: Interrogate the schedule more.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: I I really didn't um, because of this n- narrative that was being fed to me about. This is your first narrative feature, and we've got we've got this. We know how to make movies in America with union crews, and you just need to kind of come on this ride with us. So, you know, I slightly internalize that, and actually, you know, if you're uh, you're the person as the director who ultimately is the only c- consistent force from the beginning to the end, right? That's what I see is is your job, and um, you conceive something if there's a slow uh, car crash happening in front of you, <laughs> I think you can kind of look at the, you can interpret the, um, the schedule and you can look at where there are going to be real issues and problems and where people are putting their head in the sand. Right. Especially if you talk to the heads of departments who have done this many, many times and know. And I kind of feel like um, I could have had more shooting time Within the schedule, if I had been more proactive mm-hmm. about questioning things earlier on, um, you know, things like how much location scouting time do you have? Um, where are the locations in relation to I mean, basic mm. stuff that really isn't sure. actually your job, right? Right, right? But it is because everything's your job in the end.
1: Right. Well, and you also... On a gut level, know yeah. the the movie better than anyone else, right. right? And so sometimes you can like speed things up or slow things down or whatever Absolutely, it takes. Absolutely, right?
2: yeah. So for example, like the first when we were shooting the stuff in in the the dance scenes, I knew that what was in the script wasn't representative of what I wanted to be in the film, and because you can't write a dance scene like. They rehearse a few moves. Literally, that's the scene in the script. Uh, Martha, Diane's character, teaches them uh, this new move and they rehearse it. End of scene. Okay, so what is that? Is that half a day? Is that an hour? Is that, are there going to be lines that will be improv?
0: Sure. You yeah. know, and, and, you and chore- I'm assuming you choreographed everything ahead of time, right?
2: Well, we did. So we we worked with a choreographer, and there was a boot camp for the women, and they all kind of got together and learned the choreography. But what we did was we had to then, from knowing what the end dance was, I had to work with the choreographer to figure out what are they doing in all these dance scenes.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it adds up to where it work. just
2: says, you know, they practice a few moves. Literally, that was a yeah. line in the script. So you and I would I would I tried to kind of make it clear to the ads that. Yeah, you know, how I wanted to do things, but there's, an, there's a kind of culture of if it is not literally in the script, yeah. mm-hmm. it will not happen. And yeah. that's the biggest thing I learned was like next time I will, before prep, I will literally go and write every look from mm-hmm. every person to person in the script. Yeah. If I know that I want Cheryl to look at Martha across the table... I will add in as many of those things as possible because if it's in the script, they can't not schedule for it. Right, right. But if it's not in the script, you've just got a fight on your hands. Yeah, yeah. It's a sixth of a page
1: What's the deal. Yes, it's a sixth of a page. We
2: can, we don't, this is nothing, but this is the heart of this film, you know. In this case, it's a dance movie. So, and we got there in the end and it's not like, but I think I could have saved myself a lot of uh, arguments and kind of... um, if I'd kind of known more in advance about that. And I I kind of have got it in my head now for anything that I would write that would be getting close to production. I would go through the script with a fine tooth comb and literally put in every cutaway, every um, establishing shot, mm-hmm. e- everything.
0: Yeah. Something that is like super annoying is when you're like exhausted and you have to shoot the next day and then the AD shows you a call sheet and they're like, can you just look at this and make sure it looks okay? And the instinct is always like, yeah, it looks fine, you know, yeah, but, but you, like you, really, yeah. if you stop no, and you, have you look to, at it, yeah. you have yeah. to.
2: And it's, again, it's like you, because it's such, I mean, I have such respect for ADs because how the hell do they do that? <laughs> right. Like, They've been how, on for a week like a and they need puzzle. to know everything
0: yeah. you've known for four years. Yeah. Or
2: but at the same time, like there are things that you just get lost in translation because they haven't known it like whoa! I didn't think we needed that character. In that's another example, a yeah. character who wasn't actually explicitly written into the sure. scene, but yeah. there was an assumption that of course they'd be there because they're part of that group, you know. Right, right. And then they weren't on the call sheet they're for that day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and of yeah.
2: course you you hope that you'd go through all this stuff in prep and that you know and again we did and we got through it all but i think i could have saved a lot of time in prep by having done that work myself Just
1: hear the notes decode it yeah yeah. yeah yeah so smart
0: well so how can people see palms
2: <laughs> well uh, if you're in the u.s you can see palms it is being widely released on the 10th of may um, across and the u.s movie theaters in movie theaters, yes, all I mean it's on wide release. They're going for the moms and daughter audience for Mother's Day. Awesome. That's oh, the kind of take your mum to to see. Poems. Mother's Day
0: is May tenth.
2: Uh, actually, Sunday May twelfth, and they're Sunday releasing it day. on the Friday. So Perfect. the hope is that you know if anyone's taking their mum or their grandmother to the. Cinema on that weekend, they're going to see the new DK movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, So that that's the that's the hope. But I honestly like, and I've I kept saying this to them. I've seen in test screenings that we've done the response of young men is really interesting. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I kind of really hope that some of those people find their way to the theatre to see it. Yeah. It's clearly not the target audience. Like, well, but but men can, can take guy.
0: their mom, yeah. yeah. Well, there's I the think.
2: thing. They, and I think that in the test screenings, what I saw with these guys in their 30s who got quite emotional, I think they're thinking about their mothers. Sure, yeah. And I think that's really powerful. But yeah, the, the big push is... Moms and daughters.
1: Uh, shall we endorse real quick? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Unpaid endorsements. Unpaid endorsements. So, my endorsement, I'll kick it off. There's a short called Ad Man that's making the rounds right now. That's a, a, a rom com uh, as told by a. Uh, how, how would I describe it? It's like a series of like 10 to 12 commercials. Commercials, yeah. So, like, basically, this couple goes through this relationship. They have their meat cute. They like fall in love, all the stuff, but it's all as though it's formatted as a series of commercials about this couple. So, it's really clever. It's really. One person
0: clever. wrote and directed it, but they're as they look like commercials and they're kind of a, across the board, like a variety of commercials. Yeah.
1: So you just kind of, you get these little slices of life of this couple's relationship evolving, but with like, you know, a tag here or there right. for like, you know, whatever product. Like it's a is commercial for the... a moving
0: company when they're moving houses, you know, and yeah, it's a yeah. commercial for a phone company when like his mom is checking in on his relationship. But it's
2: not actually a commercial. Not it's just formatted as correct. if it is. Yeah, oh, interesting. yeah, It's
0: really well done. And like all the casting, it's like, the most working commercial actors in America. Like wow. everyone, You're if, like, oh, if you yeah. watch commercials. I bought then... Oreos
1: because of that guy one time. You yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Wow. Super fun. Very so, interesting. Admin. admin. Yeah. Uh, that'll be in the show notes. Cool. You got anything?
2: Uh, I have actually. Um, so, But I've only, I can endorse it in the sense of like, I've only known it for a few days, but I'm into it. So, um, I've just moved house and I'm going to be spending a lot more time in the car in L.A., even more time than you normally spend, which is a lot of your life. And so podcasts are like a huge part of my life. Yeah, sure. And um, but the, um, my friend told me about this app called Autumn. Do you know this?
0: A U T M. No, no.
2: A-U-D-M, like autumn, like audible. Okay. Oh, okay. And it's basically this partnership with like the the New Yorker and the Atlantic and stuff and magazines for long form content, oh. where they get actors. It's not like a robot voice because there are some that transcribe it with a robot voice, which is impossible to <laughs> listen to. Yeah. Um, I find, but this is like actual kind of voiceover actors reading the long form articles. It's so awesome. such a good idea. And so like if you're in the car, you can like listen to an Atlantic article.
1: That's so and, awesome. And
2: um, if you watch, look at the app as well, it, you can also read along if you want to. Wow. But my thing was when I'm always doing, I mean, the driving or I like, I enjoy listening what I'm mm-hmm. doing. And um, I just think it's an amazing idea. Mm-hmm. it's like, I'm doing a free trial at the moment, but it's like $7 a month to subscribe. Which, Will it you know,
0: read like my Instagram feed for me? While I'm driving?
2: Possibly. It's you
0: know, like picture of <laughs> avocado tip. Cute baby. Yeah. But I just think,
2: you know, because all those long articles that you kind of mm-hmm. want to read, but realistically, you know, mm-hmm. in modern life. and. But no, and, it, and Isn't it's like so a robot far, so voice. Good. No, 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 it's not a robot oh, it's a voice. Person. This is the key thing. This is why I like it, because I've tried those ones before where it's audio transcription, but it's basically just like a computer generated voice, which is horrible to listen right. to
0: no offense siri or alexa
2: <laughs> this is you know this is a real human being who's an, you know a good reader and it's really engaging so that's my unpaid endorsement
1: perfect autumn love it that's cool oren what you got buddy uh i got a quick
0: unendorsement which is uh if you don't sit in the back row if you watch a movie at the cinerama dome at the ArcLight, light it's like i watched Endgame there it's like over three hours, and it's like the most claustrophobic feeling I've ever had. I'd rather yeah, be on like a Cessna yeah. <laughs> airplane, like flying for a hundred hours. Um, my other thing—I think this is a reendorsement, but I'm just going to reendorse it because Game of Thrones was on last night, episode three, Battle of Winterfell. It was insanely dark. Like my wife and I could not see people are anything, mad about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, on the, the TV, and we have. It's not an amazing TV, but it's like a decent Samsung TV. And I was pausing it every 10 seconds, like playing with the brightness, the contrast, the background. Like, and we just could not, it was an 82 minute battle uh, in the middle of the night. And we just couldn't see anything. And I think the mistake we made is that we watched it like through the the HBO Go app on my TV where we should have watched it on the HBO Go app on the Apple TV. Um, so this is a reendorsement of the Apple TV Which everything <laughs> on it, like Netflix Anything you watch on your Apple TV
2: The compression is good
0: It looks yeah. way better than if you watch it on your smart TV Or your Roku or Fire Stick or anything Apple TV just huh. looks better And something I kind of didn't care about But ever since last night I care about it because yeah. It was like, I mean, you know It's like the best, our favorite show ever And it's like there's only three episodes left And now one of them we couldn't see anything so annoying anyway
2: that's a good tip i didn't know anything um, about
0: apple but i only know it because someone on our podcast told us about it um anyway uh well zara awesome. thanks so much for being thank on the so podcast and thank yeah. you guys you're a wealth of knowledge we wish we could talk yeah. to you about bangladesh and rwanda yeah. and you know well uh, now Rhea that you're here we'll have to have you come back on this, <laughs> yeah i'll yeah, come back i do
1: have a lot of real Perlman uh, questions but oh we'll, we'll get to that after the, after the episode um <laughs> For listeners who want to check out the movie, what's the best way to find Poms?
2: I think go to PomsMovie.com or follow the hashtag PomsMovie and Poms. there's all kinds of stuff going on on Instagram.
1: And
0: what about you? Are you on Twitter or yeah, I'm website? on.
2: I'm on Twitter at Zar, Z-A-R, Hayes, um, and my Instagram is the same.
0: And have you ever considered at Hayes Zara? <laughs> I think that would be pretty good.
2: Someone's already taken it and it yeah. costs thousands of dollars to buy <laughs> yeah.
0: it. Well, you should pay them. <laughs> uh, well, cool. If you want to find out more about the show... Uh, and all the things we talked about. And all the things we talked about, go to JustShootItPod.com. Uh, you can email us, JustShootItPod at gmail.com. And we are on all the things. But I guess Facebook and Instagram are probably your best. But, and Twitter at JustShootItPod. Uh, I am on Twitter at
1: Pilag, And I am on Instagram at o. Kaplan. Uh, I'm at Mr. Matt on all social media. This episode was edited by Jay McAuliffe, produced by Madeline Rosewatt, and our webmaster is Ewan Williams. Give uh, us an iTunes review. And the music you're listening to right now is by the artist Jazar and provided by the Free Music Archive. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.
2: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods,